This is IT Visionaries, your number one source for actionable insights and exclusive interviews with CIOs, CTOs, and CISOs, and many more. I'm your host, Albert Chow, a former CIO, former sales VP, and now podcast host. Hey, everyone. This is Stephanie Postles, CEO of Mission.org and the host of Up Next in Commerce. Hey, everybody. This is Jeremy Bergeron, head of strategy and host of Marketing Trends. What's up, all? My name is Albert Chow. I am the host of IT Visionaries, and I have I don't know what my title is. I call myself the VP of Ops. I run operations on the back of the house. That's that's what I try to do. I want to be back in the house, not on the mic, but I'm on the mic. You are. COO, Albert. COO. You'll get it one day. <laughs> I look forward to my promotion. Can't wait. <laughs> yeah, it already happened. There's a secret one behind the scenes. <laughs> one day, maybe. You got to earn it, buddy. <laughs> Why are we all on the mic together? Tell us, Stephanie, Grand Queen. What are we doing here? Yeah. So today we're doing a special episode because I cannot think of one time, first of all, that I've been able to sit and talk with both of you. First time. First time. At the same time, bringing our shows together. And so I thought it would be awesome to do an episode around Black Friday, Cyber Monday. I mean, I think after, at this point, I mean, I've done like 300 episodes with guests. Jeremy, how many have you done? Close to probably 200, I would think. Albert, what about you? I've been hosting this show for ITV for I think over two years now. So that's over 200 episodes, but I've also done a couple mission dailies. Uh, so, you know, probably, yeah, let's say 250. I think 250 might be in the ballpark. Yeah. So at this point, then I feel like we've got something to say, whether it's true or not, we'll see. <laughs> we will look back on this episode and see if any of us are correct. But I just wanted to kind of go into, yeah, themes around Black Friday and Cyber Monday and just see what, you know, what we're hearing, what we're thinking and also just like personally, if we're even involved anymore in those trends. So maybe Jeremy Albert, whoever wants to start first. Yeah, I mean, I, this is a, the whole like kind of Black Friday, Cyber Monday, holiday marketing thing has been coming up more recently on marketing trends. Uh, we just had an epic guest, Jen Kretschmar, who's the chief digital and merchandising officer at Build-A-Bear. Really interesting to hear some of the things she was saying, which seems to be consistent with a lot of these experts online. And she I have a little bit of a, just a, like a, a, a quote of hers. And she talked about they're seeing tremendous search traffic to their site earlier this year. You know, this happened for Halloween much earlier. And then they look year on year, seeing the searches and guest interest around Halloween, Christmas, same thing. So they're actually seeing a lot of traffic earlier where it seems like in years past, it wasn't as robust. But now people are certainly shopping more. They're planning to spend money according to what she's seeing. And it looks like some retail experts are saying the same thing. So Black Friday, Cyber Monday, definitely not going away. It looks like it's becoming more hot earlier now is what I'm hearing. Mm. Did, did she talk about like in-store versus Cyber Monday? Because the one thing I keep hearing is that Black Friday is just not really going to be a thing anymore. And I see a lot of, I mean, like REI has been out of Black Friday. I think for a long time, they're like, yeah, we're not even doing that anymore. That's lame. And they just focus on Cyber Monday. So I'm like, is it, is Black Friday even going to stay around? I don't know. Albert, looks like he's got some opinions coming. <laughs> uh, so I'm going to say absolute answers are absolutely wrong. So there's always going to be people who want to do this. <laughs> I don't understand why. Personally, if you already know, I don't like being around people. So the idea that I would wake up early or stay up late at night to rush into a, uh, rush into a retail store to get a deal on a television is not, yeah. I just don't care enough. 
And what was the last thing you bought? Let's just start there, because I feel like you told it. You told me this one time, and I was like appalled. For personal, like for personal, um, mm-hmm. like not like not a tool or a, like a need, like you know, like literally, you bought something for fun. I broke a toilet seat, and I had to replace that. Nope, no, not toilet. <laughs> no, no, it has to be something that you actually bought because okay, you wanted so it. So I, um, hmm. I'm going to take, yeah, listen, let's, later. let's skip. I, and if I think of it at the end of the show, I'll bring it back up, but it's okay. been a while since I bought like a thing for myself. I do spend money on going out mm-hmm. and like having good experiences with my kids and stuff like that. So I always mm-hmm. say like the best tickets yep. are, are the best gifts are tickets. Uh, I always tell my mother-in-law like, Hey, if you're going to buy something for my kids, make sure it's a ticket. So a ticket unlocks an experience that you otherwise cannot have. I always say that. So I'm going to have to think about the last like tangible good I just bought and just said, I'm going to yeah. use this. Right, well, when you think of it, yeah, don't forget to come back. Okay. So you're saying yes to both. There'll still be a thing for someone. So a previous Up Next in Commerce guest, Patrick could do. He owns Supply Company, which is a really nice razors and men's shaving gear. And he was on Up Next in Commerce. And recently on Twitter, he talked about he did this promotion like, hey, don't buy anything from us, like an email they do not buy from yeah. us on Black Friday because yeah. we have the deals now and how well it did. And mm-hmm. what you're seeing is how competitive it is. So like a family has a finite amount of money. And with the given recession and job losses, layoffs, you can see this is all coming. That finite amount of money is smaller. So people can only spend so much in a given holiday season. So what's going to happen is that's where the bid or the rush to get you to spend that dollar sooner is that's what's happening. That's why Black Friday is probably not an event anymore because brands will keep yeah. trying to push their promotions sooner and sooner. It will it will not get to Black Friday anymore. Like the, the deals are going to be right mm-hmm. out. You know, retailers have started having these Black Friday sales earlier. You know, like Halloween ended, they were having Black Friday sales. They're still having Black Friday sales. And then Steph, to your question about kind of in-store, I mean, Build-A-Bear is, yeah, I mean, their whole experience is in-store. So they're driving that, they're seeing a lot of traffic. I mean, we went in Build-A-Bear with our children recently and just saw, I mean, we saw an experience that ourselves. So yeah, it looks like they're, they're, they're popping earlier. And it's interesting to see that a lot of brands are like, it seems like every year it happens earlier. I'm like, why are you already talking about Black Friday? It seems like they're just, they're bringing it to the front of the scene earlier. Yeah. Now that you mentioned, Albert, um, them closing their storefront down, actually two other guests who came on Commerce, same thing, Decium, which is like skincare and stuff. And then um, I think it was Barabee. They're like a weighted blanket um, company, but they both shut it down because they were like, not only can you buy from us earlier, but we also rarely do discounts, first of all. If we do, you know that we're real, uh, like these are real discounts and they're not actually going to happen all over again. But their thing was more around like sustainability and they were trying to like prevent impulse buying, which I thought was like really interesting. You haven't heard of many brands who are like, we don't want your money because first we don't want to deal with returns. We don't even think impulse buying like that's a good thing. And like, that's our moral standards. Just like we're closing down because we don't want people of that nature in that mindset coming and buying our products, which I thought was a really interesting angle that obviously like not everyone's going to do, but interesting for those two companies who mentioned that. I think that was last year they did that too. Yeah. You'll continue to see that. There's already, I'd say in the eco space or the outdoor space, especially where there's brands that like Patagonia, Cotopaxi, REI that encourage the outdoors. They kind of all are on that same ethos where they talk about Black Friday. It's really not, it's not what you should be investing your time in. You should be investing your time in family. You should be going Mm -hmm. out and doing things, preferably in nature. 
and it's had zero impact as far as anyone can tell on their sales. And I think that's that's where you're going to see yeah. that's what you'll see in the future. Like there's going to be more brand loyalty to the products that people love. And I think this is good. This is like the year, I believe Taylor Holiday from Common Thread Collective, yeah, the CTC. He's on Twitter all the time talking about how like what's going to really happen in the recession. And now that the ad buying or ad tracking has been diminished by Apple, right? Apple arguably has taken away mm -hmm. billions of dollars of Mark Zuckerberg's net worth. You can follow that on the news because now people can't figure out how effective their ads are. He talks about how like brands that used to rely on cheap traffic or cheap advertising gimmicks to get people to buy things that probably they don't need. You add the recession, you add the fact that there's a lot of trackability now. These direct-to-consumer businesses that popped up seemingly overnight, they kind of might go away. They might go away pretty quickly as well yeah. because they can't run a sustainable business anymore. Yeah. They haven't, they had, haven't to. had to. I mean, that's what he was kind of also saying is like, they were just able to just keep spending a lot of money. And so, uh-oh, like your whole method, the whole platform that you built your company on. Well, you add, you add a couple of things, right? Like the last two years of pent up online demand because of us being forced to stay in our homes. People had stock mm -hmm. market growth during that period of time. So people felt confident with their money. So now you have no demand. You have over ordering because people were scared of these supply chain shortages. So there are people going to be overstocked like crazy. Mm -hmm. And then you have the bigger problem is really personal spending. There's just less dollars mm -hmm. a family has to buy gifts. And so I think this, mm -hmm. this year, you're probably going to see, I think a lot of D2C brands are going to go out of business. Mm -hmm. I've heard that a lot. Like, yes, people will see what's, what actually has a real business and what does not. But I would love to see a case study of companies who just opt out of Black Friday mm. versus the ones who stay in it and kind of see like, what is the, you know, growth? Because the one thing I remember is one of my guests was telling me that the lifetime value of a customer who comes in through Black Friday or a deal or anything like that is so much mm -hmm. lower mm -hmm. and it takes so much more work to like bring them back that I'm just wondering like, what's the point? And like with, I mean, not what's the point. Some people are probably like, hey, that's where a lot of my sales come from. But I'm like, with what's happening with the economy, margins are like shrinking. I mean, I've had so many people talking about like, we don't have any way to discount because we're already eating so much more of the cost these days to try not to increase the price. So how can I go down when like inflation is making everything go up? So I'm like, I don't know. I just don't know if it can be a thing at least over this next year or two while we're in this kind of environment. That would be a flex move. That would be a flex move. Only a couple brands could pull it off. But like, I would love Apple to be like, yo, Black Friday iPhones, double the price. You know what I mean? Twice as expensive. <laughs> you, you know, I, iPhone black. You know what I mean? Like where it's like all like a nice yeah. new finish. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's Matt a couple of brands that could probably flex their muscle. Like luxury brands, of course, could do it. You know, Lambo could launch their Black Friday edition Lambo. It's like a different color or something. It's probably twice as expensive. This could work. We should have our own marketing agencies that's just like, okay, everyone else is going down, you go up. We're going for the high road. We're going to double the prices of everything. You can't afford it, you're poor. <laughs> Suck it. You know what I mean? Like there's probably luxury brands out there that could probably do that. Uh, but for the most part, yeah. when dollars tighten, people of course tighten their own spending and they they look at what they need and what they really, really want. And like, you know, my some of my friends always mm -hmm. talk about like people only pick their first choice. So Maybe when you had discretionary income, yep. you would buy product two and three, but now that you might not, you're only going to pick number one, which so twos and threes are going to be really, really hard to move any product this season. Albert, I know in your world, which is very different than Jeremy and I for the people that we talk to, but I mean, you're so focused on like a different part of the business. And I mean, I've listened to some of your interviews, most of them going way above my head. I don't even know what y'all are talking about. You try and bring some of these concepts back to me and I'm like, no, thank you. 
But I mean, the big thing that I hear about, at least I have had one guest on my show talk about cybersecurity. And his was more around, I mean, how he tried to explain to me was around people using the return method, like how much scam is in the return method and being able to like buy something and then return it. I don't know. But I want to kind of hear, are you hearing anything when it comes to like the more technical aspects of what people have to deal with or what companies have to deal with when it comes to Black Friday? So, you know, it used to be an infrastructure problem where websites and stuff couldn't handle the traffic, but that's kind of been solved. All the public clouds have figured out ways to do load balancing and scale up compute. So that's been solved. So it's way less of a problem. The tech guests that we've had on the show, you know, of course, they when it comes to cybersecurity, they definitely talk more about B2B security, not as much consumer retail security. So like what's cool is the innovations that are happening in personal finance that are making it much harder to commit fraud, which we see all the time now. Some of our clients like uh, Marketa was on our show. They talk about the ability to create and spin up virtual credit cards, which you've probably seen if you're a Capital Mm -hmm. One customer or something like that, where now when you check out, they can literally create a credit card on the fly for you in this transaction that links back to your original account. So if it ever got a compromise, it doesn't even matter. It doesn't exist anymore. And so there's companies like that are really doing some cool things in personal finance to be, I think, fraud preventative that are pretty, pretty darn interesting. But as far as like the retailers, I think their infrastructure, I don't want to say it's solved because you never know what threats are emerged, but a lot of the things that they used to worry about, I would say they don't worry about nearly as much anymore. That's that's probably the biggest change I see um, from just a couple of years ago when people worrying about scale up and will it handle the traffic? Can we do that kind of volume? Now, to your point, it's more about personal finance protection, credit card protection, not getting defrauded. So that's just getting valid information, validation mm-hmm. checks. But there's a lot of companies now that are really in that game to help consumers. And uh, you don't, none of us are none the wiser because, you know, your Cap One or your MX, they leverage these services. You don't know. But for anyone who out there who's using, because I, I am a Cap One customer, anyone out there, when you go and get offered a virtual card, I mean, kind of should say yes. You just say yes. They're going to create one on the fly for you for that transaction. If it ever gets boosted, like, you know, how people get their databases compromised after the fact, a retailer might get compromised and all the PII gets stolen. And they're going to steal a credit card that doesn't Mm -hmm. exist. It doesn't matter. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, that's good. There was one guy on the show. He was basically telling me that oftentimes he will go in the dark web. I mean, this is his space. He was like an IT security, cybersecurity type of guy but he was saying he would like go in the dark web and like you essentially like can't keep up with like what these bad actors are doing and they're like infiltrating everyone's companies and he's like it's probably gonna happen i mean to anyone over probably 10 million like it could happen and it made it seem very scary is that something that you actually talk about on the show or not really no so this is good to find out what you actually talk about (laughs) i'm like what do you talk about on your show (laughs) most of the people that we've had on cybersecurity is just assume your data is already stolen so it doesn't matter wow yeah. So they're, they're like, they're like, you know what I mean? Like, why do you really need to protect your social? It's already out there. So like there are a lot of, a lot of companies are more about like validation and verification now. Like how do you validate and verify things that are true? Mm-hmm. So that's, that's pretty fascinating. The different biometric login companies, there's all kinds of companies that are doing much, much more to cross validate. Like, are you who you say you are? Mm-hmm. Like whether it's through mm-hmm. IP addresses, phone app. So like, is your, for example, this is, an unbeknownst security feature that a lot of retailers might be using that you just don't even know. The credit card companies are now checking where you're purchasing on the web and where your app is located. And if they're on two different IPs, it'll say one of them's not right. Wow. And that's when you get those alerts like, hey, did you just try to make a purchase? Like, yeah. 
And yeah, there's a lot of false positives. But you know, for me, when I get these purchases requests, like, hey, did you just try to do this? I appreciate it. You know, and I don't mind pushing why for yes. Yeah. I don't mind that at all. Yeah. Yes, I did. Yeah. Yes, I did. Because I'd rather that happen than it for it to go through. For mm-hmm. sure. Yeah. So you're going to see a lot more, I think, PII compliance and verifications and check type technology. And it's just going to be integrated into your life. So that's going to make it harder for anyone to actually do something. So you know what I mean? Like they might have all your data, but it doesn't matter. They can't do anything about it. Yeah, makes sense. Okay, so I wanted to talk a bit about like consumer optimism or sentiment mm-hmm. um, because you see what's happening in the economy right now. And I mean, Jeremy, you, I think, have had quite a few conversations with some pretty large CMOs talking about this. But I want to kind of think about like how, like, I don't even know if we know the trends yet because I think it's just starting to hit the market. Like, I think we kept hearing about inflation. We kept, we see layoffs. We, you know, it's all happening around us, but. I don't think it really hits you until it actually hits like your bank account or your job. And so I was wondering what you guys, and maybe start with Jeremy, like what you guys think about what's happening with the market right now and how it might affect the holiday shopping. Yeah, it's interesting to to hear some of these marketing leaders talk about how what, what they're seeing is like, even though, as as we know, like the consumers are losing their purchasing power, like we just know that. So the dollars aren't going as far as they did yet. I saw this really cool report and we and some of these marketing leaders have talked about that like shoppers are still like saying that they're going to shop like parents are still going to buy for their kids in fact build a bear jen said that like that's the time when parents buy even more for their kids even going into these economic headwinds they see like people are prepared and gearing up for it so it's this interesting balance of like they know it's here they still have some spending power they're still going to shop and spend Albeit these brands are now doubling down on the the customer experience and doubling down because the brands have to go do more with less too. They have to do more with less. I mean, their budgets are cut, their budgets are flat. We're hearing that all the time. And so knowing that consumers are losing that purchasing power, brands have to make moves too. There's still going to be people spending money and brands are going to have to do more with less. So doubling down on customer experience, doubling down on the online experience, really doubling down on customer service experience and things like that to ensure that every interaction with the brand, like every moment with the brand counts now even more. Every interaction with the brand, brands wanna be everywhere, omni-channel, right, multicultural. And so every chance they get, doing it less with more, it has to matter now. And that's what I'm hearing from a lot of these marketing leaders. Albert, anything, any thoughts around that? I think that's exactly what's happening. The bigger challenge for marketing, I'm gonna say this right now, is the reality is they have very limited, in my opinion, impact right now. Because if you think about you're only going to spend things on the most, whether it's the most important things to you or the things you value the most, like you probably already know what that is. Unless you're a parent. I feel like parents, you can get advertised something. You're like, whoo, that's a good one. Okay. (laughs) Never heard about that before on Instagram. Yes. But for myself, like, you know, I already know the things I like. Yeah. If you're a t-shirt company, you're going to have a really hard time convincing me to buy something. Yeah. Or my favorite, like, you know, everyone knows that listens to IT Visionary is my favorite hobby surfing. Like, you will never convince me to buy like certain brands. Like there's no amount of marketing can do it because I already figured out the brands I like the most, I'm most loyal to, and yeah. whatever the reason I let you or me or anyone likes their brand, there's not gonna be convinced otherwise. And so there are many examples of businesses and companies trying to enter markets and trying to launch new products in hot markets where they have a hard time convincing people to do certain things. Let alone now when people are more to more cons- like, you know, discretionary with their money, like convincing someone's it's not, not going to happen. Like it's, you just cannot convince someone, in my opinion, 
But you are right, Steph, the, the kids thing. That's interesting. But I'm, just so everyone knows, I've yeah. aged out of the toy zone. So I yeah. don't need, ah. I don't, those those have zero impact on me now. Yeah, the, I've <laughs> aged out of the toy zone. My kids all kind of do their own homework now. I'm, yep. One of the things, it wasn't for me, so I'm still thinking about what I bought for me, but I bought one of the things for my son, and he's a Rubik's Cuber. So we're entering a cubing tournament in Gatlinburg. Mm-hmm. Shout out Gatlinburg. Oh, you hear this episode. Nice. And you're in Gatlinburg. <laughs> yeah. Cubing tournament, he, I love Laird that. Laird <laughs> is going to be cubing. He's in. He's 10 years old. There's no age Whatever, there's no age division, so he'll be 10 years old competing against, I don't know how old these cubers are. Oh, that's cool. But he says, oh, I need a GAN cube. I'm like, what's that? <laughs> like, like, it's a brand. And I'm like, yeah. why is it better? And he's like, oh, he's explaining like the slide and the glide and like all this other stuff. Wow. I'm like, yep. I have no idea what any of this is. So he's there, like they're at the age now where they're telling me the brands that they they prefer to have. And See, that's, that's a nice place to be in. I mean, it'll be interesting getting there. Cause I mean, even thinking about, well, Christmas gifts for two and four year olds. They kind of know, but I mean, I'm even thinking about like asking the twins this year, like, what do you guys want to be for Halloween? And one of them said a trash can and the other one said a sandwich. I want to be a sandwich. And we're like, what kind? It's just a sandwich. What kind? A sandwich, mom. Okay. Like that's what, that's the information I'm getting. So to me, I appreciate messages on Instagram. They're like, here's something that your kid will like. However, I still think personalization is missing. Like you go on Amazon for Cyber Monday. And it's just, they're showing me everything. And I'm like, why are you showing me everything from like men's work boots all the Mm. way to like just things I would never buy. So I think that's the biggest thing. Like if you can't figure out personalization, you won't be able to sway someone very easily or even like convince them to buy something they wouldn't normally. Yeah. I don't even know how personalization is possible. Really. I really don't like the more I, the, the more I read into it. I mean, there's certain things like life events are related, but like most people. So like, yeah, the old way of marketing, Hey, male, I'll just name myself male, 40 parent. Like we're not all the same, but hobbies, hobby based is more interesting. So like, it's easier to figure out that I mm-hmm. like this and what hobbies I buy or brands I buy in that hobby. I think that's more likely, but yeah, the, uh, mm-hmm. the old age of demographics, personalization based on demographics, that's probably, I just don't think it works. It just can't possibly work. I think there's some things coming out now that are using maybe too much data, maybe it's a little creepy, but <laughs> I've, se- I've seen some demos where I'm like, yeah, that's pretty good. Like they would know a lot of things about someone. And yeah, you have a lot of a lot of brands who got into the first party data game early, you know, and so you have a lot of brands like Build-A-Bear again, like who've been capturing first party data for forever. And so you have brands that have these relationships with people, they've got this data, they don't need necessarily additional like tools and tech to like engage with their customers. And so I think those brands are going to win pretty big because again, they work at gathering it and collecting it early on. Yep. Yeah, I agree. First party data for the win, if Mm -hmm. you know how to do it. And if you have a reason to even ask for it, which I think is what a lot of people struggle with. They're like, hey, just give us your name, email, social security number, everything we want. And what's the upside for me? (laughs) You'll find out when I send you my first email. Like you definitely have to have a good reason. But the brands yeah, who come on who say they have that like that, they're the ones who are clearly winning and able to figure out like what their customers want and what they will want. And their their customers are also the ones who are involved in like the future product releases. And yeah, you can just have a lot closer of a relationship that way. I'm curious too, Steph, from some, maybe some of the stuff that you're hearing around like making the purchasing like easier and like making like some of these e-com brands have like really done some creative things and like how to like, how, just how to buy like how to buy things faster and just curious if you're hearing from some experts around that experience like the buying experience and how people are 
or how some of the leaders you've had on are viewing that and maybe some of the stuff that people are experiencing now? Because I, I feel like some of the stuff that I see on Instagram or other like platforms I'm on, like they make it really easy, easier for me now than ever before. I'm like, press two buttons and it's at my house in two days. Like that wasn't the case last year. Press up, fill in the information. Here's my credit card, all the things like that's evolving fast. I'd love to hear what you're hearing around that, like the actual purchase experience. Yeah, I think a lot of my guests right now are all talking about shoppable TV. That's like the biggest thing for them that they're focused on is how can we, you know, put our products in, you know, television in a way that you can just like click on it and buy it right away. So, you know, imagine you're watching your favorite, I don't know, reality TV show and you're like, wow, that girl's shirt is awesome. And you could just click it and buy it with one click. That's what a lot of these brands are experimenting with right now. And the same thing on Instagram, TikTok, like how can you make sure that wherever you are, it's just a one click experience and you can get it right there. Because I remember, I mean, this was something like 10 years ago, people were trying to build where, you know, you were watching a TV show and you have a blog over here saying like, here's the list of all the items that you saw on this TV show. So I feel like it was happening for a long time, but the technology is finally here. And we saw that with, um, I think we had Fox on, I mean, a couple like very large media companies saying like, this is the future being able to just like buy while you are watching without it disrupting you from the actual experience. So that's super interesting. And the other thing that they're think they're talking about too is like the opportunity and arbitrage when it comes to these, I can't remember exactly what it's called, but basically like, I think it's called like a media network uh, where it's like Walmart and like big players like that have their own advertising network and how there's a lot more upside when you go and you work with a Walmart. That is 100% what Apple is doing. When Apple launches its ad network, it will be the most powerful yeah. ad oh, network for sure. when it comes to conversions. Retail media, is that it? Yeah. Yeah, this is this is no different from end capping. So now they're like saying this is basically break bringing what used to be in store to uh, online, right? So end capping in grocery stores and retail stores is still a thing. Whatever's on the end caps sells more. That's a fact. Yeah. What do groceries do or retailers do? They charge you to be on the end caps, right? They're basically saying you want to this storefront, mm -hmm. my storefront from Home Depot to a grocery store, my storefront is going to move merch. What's on the end cap is going to move even yep. more. Right. And so if you want to be on my end cap, you got to pay me money. Mm -hmm. And so Amazon, Walmart, and those retailers, they've always been selling their footprint. So this is becoming more effective. Yeah. In the store. Now that Amazon's doing it, like Target, even Home Depot. And then Kroger apparently started doing it. It's oh, yeah. like blowing up. But like everyone's realizing I've got the traffic, whether it's in foot and you can have, you know, like you're talking about Albert or online, there's space that I can sell. So they're talking about there's a lot of arbitrage right there. I don't know how long that'll last, but. Well, it's good. And what it's going to do is it's going to bifurcate your dollars. So I got a chance to work with through uh, other in business interests of mine with a barbecue pellet company. So barbecue pellets, like, what is that? Like, is that interesting? Well, Traeger, Traeger Grills is a billion dollar business. Huge. And they sell pellets. Uh, mm -hmm. So if you're not familiar, these are little pieces of chips of wood that are already pre-cut, whatever wood they are. You put them in your barbecue, it helps you control the temperature. So obviously, if you're cooking with this, you need to buy the pellets because that's what these things are designed for. You can't make your own. So <laughs> it's like a trick. It's going to keep you to spend more. They were explaining the bid prices of how much it costs when you click on barbecue to be the banner on Home Depot, and it costs a fortune. <laughs> and, wow. and, and you, as you can imagine, and that's just one category. So obviously, when you are a retailer like a Home Depot, which I think has 100 million SKUs. Jeez. It's, it's insane. HomeDepot.com, 100 million SKUs. Walmart.com, Amazon. Every page, every category basically has an end cap and it's all for sale. So if you are a wood chip pellet maker, now you got to buy it at 
every grocery store, every hardware store, possibly on Amazon. Like your dollars really start to get cut. It's hard. I mean, it's going to get harder. So like that's going to splinter. I mean, it's the same. It's the tech hype cycle all over again. For everyone who's not listening to IT visionaries, plug my show. (laughs) What happens in technology is always the same thing. There's consolidation, then specialization. During specialization phase, different companies come out with individual products that can do certain things really, really well. Then a big player comes up and says, gobbles them all up. Says, I want all these things in my house. So they get consolidated because it's hard to say no to the money. Like you're an individual founder and someone waves all this money in your face. She's like, you know, I don't, I love my company, but you know, I love that money. So here's my company. And so it gets rolled up. Then during the roll-up phase, the product gets less good. It doesn't have all the features that meet current market demands. And some guy says, I'm going to start specializing and start splintering out again. So this consolidation, specialization phase always happening. So that's the new specialization, which is going to be happening right now, which you already know, is every retailer is going to offer the end cap equivalents in ad networks. So now there's going to be ad buying tools to figure out how to place ads and all these things, because without it, you can't do it. You can't manage it. The retail media network. Yeah. And to me, they already have a case study of what they should do to not ruin search because i mean you saw how with google it eventually did kind of like you stopped trusting what was shown because you knew just the highest (laughs) bidder would end up showing up the highest whether it was good or not right and there's too many results so i think there's already like a pretty good case study over there of like oh we went a little too far and we just let the highest bidder win instead of figuring out like who's the best and who doesn't have bad reviews like make an algorithm that actually works and that's what i think these retail media networks are going to struggle with next is how do i actually make an algorithm that works not only for us where we're making good money but our customers are actually happy with what they're showing them and you know they're not only wanting to buy it but they're not returning it and complaining it afterwards complaining about it if you think back to what advertising and consumer spending used to look like it was whoever had the most dollars usually typically like if you go to the madman era right whoever had the most dollars just won because mm-hmm. You as a consumer really didn't hear about any other brands, right? So if it talks about drinking soda, like Coca-Cola, was, there's only two sodas to choose from. So if you saw another soda on the shelf, you're like, I don't even know what that is. And if ad buying gets out of control, that's back to what it'll be, which is like Tide will always be, or P&G or right. whatever is going to be at number one mm-hmm. all the time. And every other brand is going to be, you'll never hear from them again. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, the what you to what you were talking about, plug one of my guests, Stefan Pretorius, who is the uh, Pretorius, he is the CTO of WPP, which if anyone hasn't looked up, WPP is the, I believe the largest advertising agency in the world. Fun fact of what he spilled on our show, 75% of their billables are in technology, only 25% advertising. And I asked him to explain, and it's like, all these brands are trying to figure out new ways and experiences to get consumers to experience their product or service because ad buying is so hard. Yeah. So only 25% of, and I check their revenue right now, WPP revenue. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> 12.8 billion British pounds a year. Wow. Okay. Okay. Over $8 billion, $9 billion possibly is of dollars spent at WPP is to invest in technology to get closer to the customer, which is crazy. They're basically a technology shop now. Mm. Did they tell you about like what kind of technology is the hottest right now or what people are trying to solve? That He mentioned shoppable TV as like things that people are trying to figure out. Oh, did he? Yeah. Mm. But that's the thing is like, these are things to be built. They don't exist yet. So you're talking about brands who have whatever dollars they have available to them are asking an advertising agency to, in some cases, subcontract because they have to subcontract technologists to build tools and experiences that consumers can have. 
that's why the Rokus of the world will be winning in this space because they're like, I mean, someone like that. It might not be Roku, but I mean, they're the ones who have the most advantage right now because they're like, these are our shows. We have the technology backing it. Yeah, Roku powers smart TV. That's right. Roku, Roku's already got brand yeah. relationships with the TV manufacturers to be the effectively the OS of their TV. Mm-hmm. By the way, mad smart case history. If anyone wants to read about Reed Hastings' decision to split Roku out of Netflix because he knew, he knew Steve Jobs would never allow Netflix to have access to his, like his, his, oh, yeah. to be like an OS inside of an Apple device. So yeah. he said, okay, well, we got to split out the OS portion of it. Roku's basically an OS for TV now. And you know who just partnered with Roku? Who's that? Walmart to feature their products in there and make them shoppable. They're like the exclusive retailer with Roku right now so that any of the products that are shown can be shoppable through Walmart. There's three major players in smart TVs. I think we all know them, right? Apple TV, which we know is going to do the same with their ad network. Apple TV, Amazon Fire, right? We already know they're going to do the same thing. So if you buy like an Amazon TV, like some of them are like, or like a Fire Stick for people who run Fire Sticks on their dumb TVs, they're they're basically using the Fire Stick OS and then, of course, Roku, that's the biggest players. And then some of the smart TV makers or some of the TV makers like Samsung and LG, they have their own OS. But I could see Roku kind of infringing on that pretty quickly. Yeah, we had Roku on marketing trends. Uh, Jordan Rost or Jordan Rost is the head of ad marketing at Roku. Brilliant marketer, brilliant brand marketer. Again, talked a lot about shoppable TV and like the future of streaming and shopping streaming. Very slowing down. Roku is so positioned well, like to your point, Steph. I'm watching them closely, too, because they've got some really interesting things coming down the pipeline. What else you guys think we should talk about? Anything? Yeah, I still haven't thought of. No, I still haven't thought of what I bought for myself. I, <laughs> <laughs> Not even one well, thing. So like, you can't I, even... I bought a surfboard recently, but that's only because my other one broke. That was the one thing I was going to be like, you have to have bought a surfboard in the past yeah, like, but 10 years only at least. They break. You know what I mean? Like, I don't buy because I because like I like one. I don't I don't ever do that. Like, I. What did you tell me? Like, you don't even have an Amazon Prime account? I'm, I'm one of the holdouts. No Prime. That's impressive. That's impressive. No Prime. Why would I pay for does that? Does your wife? Does your wife? Uh, I believe she does not have Prime either. No, she does not. That's, a, that's epic. What? <laughs> Gotta confirm that. We keep our money separate, but yeah. Yeah, oh. she doesn't use Prime either because she's made comments about it. I, I know she doesn't because we've attempted to watch Thursday Night Football before. I was like, oh, log in your Prime account. I was like, I don't. And then you just gave up. You're like, oh, well, I'm just not yeah. going to watch it. <laughs> that is you. I'm not even surprised. Okay. I'm still working on the thing I bought for myself. I know. Think about it. What should it be? Okay. Okay. I did not need this, but I do like American Giant. American Giant, if you guys are listening, American Giant is a textile brand. They make hoodies, sweatshirts, things like that. Their brand promises Everything's made in America, and one of their textile companies is in North Carolina. So I like supporting the state. So I will pay extra for an American Giant article of clothing, and I did buy what's called their like middleweight hoodie, just out of sheer marketing. Got a promotion and said, "Hey, all right, you should check this out." And I said, "Okay, I'll get I'll." But I already knew the brand, right? I like American Giant. I like Marine Layer yeah. products. I like Viore's. I like Patagonia. Outside of those handful of brands that don't really buy anything. Listen, I bought, I, I am a buyer of ASICs, but ASICs, you guys, you guys hate me as a customer. I only wear ASICs shoes, but I only buy them on eBay. 
and I buy like three pair. Oh man, you're that kind of person. <laughs> yeah, I buy them like th- three pairs that are like last season's models, three pairs, and then I won't buy shoes for like another six or six years or so because I only wear them work out. So I had to put like no wear and tear on them. So why, why eBay? Just curious why you do it on eBay. Because they're last year's models and I'll be able to get them for like 30 bucks. You're not like doing Facebook marketplace or anything like that. No, because I don't want to deal with people, annoying people, right? I don't want to talk to anyone. <laughs> There's that people thing. <laughs> Most brands, uh, those of you guys that don't know, so eBay, as you probably both know, does quite a bit of GMV. It's one of the largest marketplaces still. Most people remember eBay, if you're like me, a product of the 80s, you probably think of eBay as an auction place. But by far, their direct party sales is actually their number one uh, category. And eBay, a lot of brands have their secondhand stores on eBay. So if you're not sure, so like Nike will sell, Asics will sell, Dyson will sell last year's stuff. So like I'm one of those people that does not believe that shoe technology changes that much. Like it doesn't evolve every year where I have to have the list. Right, so like right. when it's you know 2022 and someone tells me that 2020 has never been worn, was available on eBay for you know 20 bucks. I'm like, that's me, baby. That's me. That's a smart <laughs> tip. I'm, I, I like that tip. I, I don't do a yeah. lot of shoe shopping, but I do like to get the brands that I like and like I'm just wouldn't considering going to eBay and getting the last couple of years. That's smart. I'm taking that one from you. I like that. Every brand, as far as I could tell, or a lot of brands, they have their like last year's stuff on eBay. Uh, as far as I can tell. So yeah, I do buy a lot of a lot of used or excuse me, it's unused but not current things. That's how I buy things. <laughs> Now that I feel like we settled it and we finally got your answer, I feel like that's a perfect place to wrap this awesome episode. And before we do, maybe we each can give a shout out to our amazing shows to maybe, you know, influence some listeners to come and check us out in the different places. So Albert, you want to give your shout out first? Yeah. So if you're interested in technology and how it came about, how the problems even were discovered, IT Visionaries is a great show for you. We have CIOs, CTOs, co-founders of different tech companies joining us on ITV. Probably the most interesting part to me is a lot of people are solving problems that you just don't know exist. And so hearing their stories of how they found the problem, what they thought about, how they went about solving it is, in my opinion, quite fascinating. Uh, I'll give an example. This is an episode to be released. Uh, his name is Danny Fields. He's the CTO at Avalara, one of the biggest software companies that probably you never heard of. I am a shareholder. He talked about like, I, I busted his chops. Like, there's no way the recruiter called you and you thought that was interesting. Like tax. He's like, no, it wasn't interesting at all. Like he wanted to hang up on the person, but the CEO reached out personally. Like, no, you have to talk to me. I want to talk to you and pitch to you this idea. But if for anyone who's not familiar, what they do is they handle sales tax compliance software, which you're like, who cares? I just fell asleep. To give you an idea of how big of a problem this is. So let's imagine you're a, let's imagine you're a convenience store. When you buy goods to resell to Stephanie, you don't, have, you don't have to pay sales tax on any of that, but you have to have a certificate that validates that. Now think of every single product that's in that store has to have a sales tax exemption certificate. Oh, got it. That's one store. Now imagine you're 7-Eleven, you have 40,000 mm-hmm. locations. This becomes quite hard to manage, right? And so that's what Avalara does. Fascinating fact. Also, you, you'll only learn about these things if you listen to IT Visionaries. He told us straight up that only 4% of the United States of sales tax exemption certificates are handled by Avalara. So go look at their market cap and recognize that there's 96% left to go. Wow. This is a massive company. That's cool. That's awesome. Oh, yeah. I see them. All right. Very large. Jeremy. 
about you? Let's give a shout out to your show. Yeah, so if you don't know, you should know that Marketing Trends is the leading, leading marketing leader podcast on the planet. I, I get the privilege of interviewing these like trailblazing marketing leaders like CMOs and heads of marketing and you're gonna hear war stories from these marketers that, like Albert said, you won't hear anywhere else. I mean, you've got brands like ESPN, Panasonic, Avery Dennison, I mean, Morgan Stanley, all, all the who's who brands in the Fortune 500, they're all coming on my show and I get to speak to the brilliant marketing leaders that are at the helm of driving revenue in these amazing brands. So there's best practices and lessons and for me, just hearing about these people's stories of how they got to where they are to get to be the CMO of Morgan Stanley or, or head of marketing at ESPN, you have to navigate some really interesting territory to get to that level of marketer. So I find myself very inspired, learning lots of things, high level and low level of like, what are some of the strategies that are being used today? How are they building high performance teams? What are some of their favorite failures that position them to be so brilliant as a marketing leader today. So check us out, marketingtrends.com. We've got some epic brands coming on. So check us out, marketingtrends.com. All right, cool. Thank you, Jeremy. All right, last and the best is Up Next in Commerce, the show that I host where I am talking to, I mean, the most ama amazing CEOs, founders, um, and it can be digital leaders or, you know, like top, top executives at companies like Pepsi and Walmart and North Face. But my favorite are some of the brands that are smaller that I'm talking to, where you get to hear the war stories of like what it looks like to grow really quickly and actually create a business that's profitable. So a recent one that was really cool that I talked to was Liquid Death. I don't know if you guys know Liquid Death or the water that's in the can. And I recently discovered them when I was at Austin City Limits Music Festival, where they had just taken over the water there. You could not get any other water than Liquid Death. And it was in this metal can. It looked like it was beer. And I was like, okay, we need to know who this company is, we need to have them on the show because I've never seen someone do a takeover like this of a whole music festival. The best commercials, water is dangerous. And then it's like a video montage of people getting like killed by yeah. water. It's yeah. like people getting hit by waves, yeah. oh, people yeah. like floods and tsunamis. They're very aggressive marketing. <laughs> it definitely stands out. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I, so I just had a whole conversation with them about like their marketing strategies and how wild and ridiculous they are and how quickly they've grown the company because of this. So I get to talk to some of the best brands from small to big um, and it's super fun. So check out Up Next in Commerce. You'll get to hear all the fun, the silliness and the great guests that I have on the show. On that note, Stephanie, you told me you were going to get Liquid Death on my show. So I'm still waiting on an introduction to Liquid Death because I need to talk to whoever leads marketing Liquid Death. I got a slot for you. Thank you in advance. And then also, I want to give a shout out to our sponsors for this show. And I'll just say a couple of things. I mean, since taking over this show almost two years ago, I've worked pretty closely with Salesforce, Salesforce Marketing Cloud. And they sponsor marketing trends. They are, you want to talk about a brand that is like at the at the intersection of like, what's really happening in the trenches and what's to come, it's Salesforce. I mean, these folks are really positioned well for any industry really to serve industries and their technology is ridiculous. And shout out to Salesforce, really, really cool working with you. And some of the brands we get to interact with because of you is exceptional. So shout out to Salesforce. Yep. Thank you, Salesforce. Our OG sponsor since 2018. Yeah. We love them. All right. And with that, you guys, that's a wrap. Happy holidays. Happy holidays, everybody. Go outside. <laughs> <laughs> Do work. <laughs>
<laughs> That's what I have to say. Yeah, go outside. Don't be, don't be, they'll be lining up to get some dumbass deal. <laughs> That's awesome.